Welcome to the Upping Your Elvis podcast with Chris and Jim, where we are exploring how to get your energy right to get your extraordinary on. So welcome to the Upping Your Elvis podcast. Uh, This is the podcast where we experiment with our energy to see what gets us jumping out of bed with a smile on our face and with more fuel in the tank. And we have been experimenting lots over the last few years with all sorts of different things to see what gives us our best energy. And this month, we've been doing something a bit different. We've been doing some stuff on food, but not in our traditional nutritional way. We've been doing experiments around how it can give us a bit of a lift spiritually and soulfully. Anyway, I've got Jim with me today. Hey, Jim. Hey, mate. Hey, 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 my business partner. And, um, and, and the, the challenge this month was set by a good friend of mine, Gil Meller, who I love to welcome onto the podcast. Gil, nice to see you. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? All good, mate. All good. Can, can you explain a little bit about who you are and what you do? And that will set a context for why we've had so much fun in the last four weeks. You bet. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, my name's Gil Meller. I'm a chef and, and food writer and cookery teacher. Um, I live I, I live on the Devon Dorset border, so you know, very, very close to, to you, Chris. Um I suppose I my my uh my house, well it it's I'm very lucky. It looks out to sea, but I'm surrounded by woodland and fields and uh I've made I, I've made home here. Um so it's a very important place. Uh I um yeah I'm blessed really and whenever I can I get outside and try and enjoy it as much as I can and a lot of the time that will be cooking outside um so that's me you know and I'll tell you what if, if anyone wants to get a bit of a glimpse of that if you follow uh, Gil's uh, Instagram uh you will be salivating not only for the amazing dishes <laughs> that he creates but the lifestyle that he leaves because where his house is is it's just pretty much perfect. It's right there on the coast. And you've been growing all your own stuff over the last few years. I've, I've noticed that, that, that um, uh, the raised bed area is looking lush, mate. Yeah, well, that sort of lockdown period gave me a bit of time to sort of concentrate on some of the things I didn't, didn't necessarily have time to before. So little, little uh, veg garden was, was high up on the list. Um, but actually something like that, uh, you, you know, it really can make a difference to just ha- how you sort of connect with with the great outdoors, um, even if it's a if it's a small setup. You know, some some pots and and, and herbs growing in in the backyard. It can really help you just switch off and tune into something quite natural which is what i like about it plus you get lots of good food to me so yeah it's a double whammy and look and, and, and what i really enjoyed about um about this four weeks um is we have done lots of stuff on nutrition before and it's been quite scientific it's all been about how we get more energy by you know the right nutrients coming in and what um what this was about was I, I, it was a little bit more about pausing appreciating connecting it was a bit more about the spirit and the soul as i said rather than just about, you know, getting the energy we need. Um, and, um, and and therefore, I think it's been quite an interesting experiment for us because it's uh, it's a little bit more about, you know, a fizz and a connection to nature 
than it is just about the food that we've put in our mouths. So really enjoyed it for that. And and Jim, well, you know, you've you've been taking part in this. We've we've done four different experiments over the four weeks. We have, mate. We have. Um, I mean, we started with foraging, and I. I oh man, yeah, but. So, uh, yeah, so foraging was great. I mean, I, I love this experiment. Chris said we did some, we've done some stuff on nutrition, mainly around fasting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fasting's great, but I just, I loved it when Gil Mello came up. Was, There's no fasting here. It's going to be sticking stuff on our stomach. So, uh, and obviously that does good stuff for my energy. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, you are what you eat. And I think this was definitely getting us to think about that. And obviously foraging is all about really thinking about where your food comes from and collecting it and making sure it's fresh. But then also uh, the experiment is then getting into then how you eat, which also has a big impact, I think, on our on our energies. You know, at our worst, you sit in front of the telly and just eat food that's, that, you, that you cook and you don't think about it. This made me a lot more conscious, not just about what I ate, but how I ate it. Um, you know, and Chris, is, Chris said the first experiment was foraging. Actually, this was a very inclusive experiment for me because a lot of the other energy experiments have been about me and what I do and my habits. And actually, I brought my family into this as well. And so uh, going outside, I mean, I've got a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old which dominate my life. And finding things for them to do with me it is what, what it's all about, you know, having just come out of half term. And this gave me a brilliant opportunity to do that. Foraging with the kids, great. You know, we, loads of blackberry picking. Blackberries were probably <laughs> highest on my list. But um, there's just a great sense of purpose when you go outside. And when you said, I, I spend as much time outside as I can, one of the big things that this gave me with regards to my energy was doing stuff outside with my family we'll move on to different times of day because obviously with fires you go out at night a bit more but the foraging one love that love that and the, the blackberries have gone now so i'm all ears for what what the next thing oh, to forage is well it's a good time of year um, jim there's, there's a lot of stuff around well there's mushrooms but i'm terrified about picking the wrong ones so oh, well, uh, well look we we had so, actually on the mushroom thing we had so many crops you know, we had two kilos of parasols one day, um, and actually, wow. I've just we just got a new crop today, so they're, they're carrying on. Um, but what what I I noticed from it is it just tunes you in a lot more to your environment and what's around you. And what I realised is I'm rubbish at it. You know, I see the obvious stuff. There's a mushroom. You know, you can't really miss it. Uh, and to be honest, cooking it is quite straightforward. But when you wander around with other people, uh, and I know you do this a lot, Gil. They see things that I would never see that are mm. beautifully, you know, tasty, edible trees. Mm. Um, and, and because we've got so used to just buying things in packets from supermarkets, the travesty is we've just lost that connection. And what I really liked about this is I got reconnected. You know, and Yeah, uh, I think exactly what you're both saying is exactly right. I mean, getting out just for an hour or, or two with the dogs, with the family, um, and just spending a little time outside, whether you're in the woods or in the fields, is, is definitely a, a, a hugely rewarding thing to do. It's not necessarily about picking a basket of food, um, blackberries, mushrooms, whatever it may be. It's about the whole journey from making that decision to leave, close the door behind you and just turn your back on all the noise and the buzz of, you know, whatever's going on inside and just 
slow down and, as you say, open your eyes to a new way of seeing the outdoors, uh, open your eyes to a new way of seeing nature, really. And, you know, next to that mushroom, you might see, you know, a spider's web or you might see the colour of the leaves on the ground, uh, which lead your eyes up to the trees. And all of a sudden you're in a, in this realm that you, you don't necessarily sort of exist in. Um, all through the, the act of, you know, simply looking for something good to eat. It, it, it is tran transformative, really, and, and transport transportive. Yeah, and, and, and I, what I'm, I'm hearing when you describe that, which was definitely my experience, and actually, I got it massively on the second challenge as well, cooking outside over fire. Uh, there's a shift in consciousness, right? So, yeah. Because, because actually, cooking over fire outside is, is not a fast thing. You need to prepare it, you need to get the heat right, you need to find the word. You, you then you, you, when you light a fire outside, you sit there for a while, don't you? And you look at the flames. There's a whole kind of preparation around your energy before you even start cooking. Mm. So when you then get into the cooking, yes, there's an amazing benefit of, you know, you've got this woody, smoky smell, you've got all that, that stuff. But actually, in doing so, you, it's a little meditation, isn't it, cooking outside? 100%, yeah. There is, it's about so much more than... Um, just that, just that food you you know you put in your mouth. It, it again, like the foraging, it, it's that journey. It's engaging in something that is very tangibly real. Uh, it, it it it's as ancient as as the hills. You know, lighting a fire and and cooking something to eat to sustain our bodies to to fuel our minds. It's it is the it's the most primitive act. And to engage in that in our modern times um, is is a kind of healing, you know. So it's a sort of form of a recovery in a way from the from the screens and the phones, and um, really grounds us. Just just uh, I find it fantastic. Yeah. I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, this this was a perfectly timed experiment for me because I. Uh, I got given a fire pit for my 50th birthday. Oh, your 50th. Uh, <laughs> sorry, something just stuck in my throat. Uh, <laughs> and then this experiment turns up, so it was meant to be. And actually, um, we've, been, we've been lighting it at about 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, where normally we'd be eating with the kids and then going in and, I don't know, doing something in the house because it's dark outside. And actually, we, we did it on Saturday night. We've been doing it as a ritual every weekend for the last the last month. Lovely. It's on a, either on a Saturday or a Sunday, either after the meal, uh, yeah, after the meal, lighting lighting the fire and then going out and sitting outside and sitting outside mm -hmm. with my folks, sitting outside with the kids. And suddenly you forget the magic of darkness because, you know, with, with autumn coming in, you tend to close the doors and light fires inside. And actually... We had this fantastic night uh, on Saturday night where we were looking at the stars. It was clear. We were talking about the North Star, where the plough was. We all saw, saw a, a shooting star. You know, the energy that that creates, plus being outside and being a bit cold, you know, it just it bonded the family really well. I mean, the, the only thing I'm going to say here is we did cook on it, but we cooked marshmallows. <laughs> we cooked marshmallows on it, which I'm, you know, to give to Gil Mena, that's, you know, that's probably not the, not the right thing to I say. I don't know. I think I think just just the marshmallows alone is enough to get get you 
thinking more about the flames, thinking about the heat, thinking about the, you know, what happens, that little moment of caramelization and sugar and, yeah, that's nice. Kids, well, that's what kids need to think about. Exactly. Then they eat that sugar and they get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the next, the next level is going to be finding ways of cooking on that fire pit. But you know, that's oh. what I've managed so far. You don't need a lot, Jim. You know, when you got fire, you cook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but, but I love that. I love now, that challenge. Now we haven't caught up on this, Jim. But the next one was a bit of baking, wasn't it? And um, as I recall, in the past, you have killed your mother. Oh man, I, <laughs> I, I, Chris, I, I'm lucky enough to spend a lot of time with Christopher at his house because we do lots of workshops, and he is he he's got better and baker in the in better and better. I said better and baking, better and better in the baking steaks. I mean, he baked two 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 loaves last time, and one was a bit all cinnamony, and the other was all salty. So I eat it all, and it's great. I am. I seem to have the curse of the baker. So I did endeavour to do it again and rekindle the mother. But I do kill my mother on a regular basis, and I don't know how because whenever I speak to a baker, they seem to think it's impossible. But that's not to say that I didn't get good energy from it. Because guess what? It's another activity for the kids, and they love the whole process of baking. And I do manage to create a nice smell in the kitchen. Love it's just it. that the loaf itself is. Um, it's more to my tasting than anyone else's. <laughs> <laughs> but but I all you know, I love the challenge. The kids love it, and I, I'm not gonna give up just yet. Yeah, that's great. There is something about baking which is quite evocative though, isn't there? I mean the, the people I know who get into it really go deep. What do you think it is about it, Gil? I think there's various sort of schools on of thought on why it becomes addictive, why people want to do it so much. For me. Um, I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that bread has become such a mainstream commodity that you can you, you can walk into literally any corner shop, any supermarket, anywhere and, and buy bread. Um, the majority of it is pretty bad, to be honest, but you, obviously you can get great stuff. It, it becomes something that we don't think about making at home. It's a bit like pasta, mm. you know. It's one of the simplest forms of, of sort of processed food. Um, wheat and eggs, you know, wheat and water. We don't, just don't think about doing it. When we do it, it's so rewarding. It's, it's, it's a sort of weird juxtaposition of something so familiar, but actually when you do it yourself, it's actually super rewarding. It just sort of, yeah, it's... It, it's the most obvious thing, but actually it's, it, it flummoxes people. It's very simple to do, but people get stuck because they think it's going to be difficult. Um, it's an interesting one, the bread thing. It really is. It is, and I, I always avoided it because I always thought it was a bit tricky. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, Mr. Burton A making an amazing loaf, and you watch him and go, oh, my God, I could never do it like that. Um, but then, but then after a while of kind of playing with it, I, I think I got sucked in by two things. Well, three things. One is the physical nature of doing it, because yeah. actually the kneading and the play, you need to do it for a certain amount of time, and actually getting that rhythm right and getting into it actually is is really important. The second thing is just when it, you know there's there's a process that happens once you got it right, where you know it starts to rise, you know it proves it, it, it does something rather magical. And it's mm -hmm. not us. We just create the conditions for it, and then a bit of nature does something incredible. 
And then, my God, freshly baked homemade bread. I mean, I've probably put on a stone, I reckon, since I started baking. <laughs> it's just delicious, isn't it? I mean, it's a very, as you say, it's very different to the things you get in a, in a supermarket that's wrapped in plastic that doesn't seem to have any life in it at all. So, I think that's down to the butter that you wedge on it, mate. I it's do put a lot of butter bread on it. Yeah. As, as my mum says, would you like some, uh, some bread with that butter? Yes. <laughs> but it is true. It's you put in that effort and you get this reward and although that re reward is it's very simple and everyone knows about bread to you it's very special and it feels good and usually it always tastes better i'm not sure in in your case jim whether that's true but usually <laughs> it's just the rest of my family aren't so keen on it <laughs> if you put that if you if you put in a bit of effort it it comes back and um couldn't be more true of, of bread making yeah. um, it, it's just a lovely thing to do and in in the same way you know those other challenges um have been it slows you down it slows down the blood rate you know the heart rate everything just just stops and you you, you focus on something very very real and gentle and um that's the uh, you know another, another really strong appeal mm. yeah yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely a theme here of, you know, stepping off the planet and uh, letting it spin like crazy while you stop. Um, and, and Brad certainly did that. Uh, but the, but the, the final challenge, um, which was to, to, to cook something nostalgic, um, which, which actually was incredibly evocative in very different ways. Um, I, I found this quite intriguing. What was, your, what was your one, Christoph? Well, so, so look, first off, I went, right, what did my mum cook? Yeah. And what my mum cooked was things, you know, like a pork and apricot dish, which I cannot ever pretend to be able to do. I never would. And, and it, it, it felt a bit wrong to try and imitate her, her, her dish. But, but I, I, it did remind me um, that on wintry Saturday nights when the football was on, if no one could be bothered to cook, we used to have these, these evenings where we'd have crumpets and tea cakes and muffins and potato cakes, which I'm still a massive fan of with just lashings of butter and syrup and all sorts of gooey stuff. And, um, and I did a bit of that. I, did, I had some potato cakes. And the memories that came back from it were visceral. I mean, I couldn't remember sitting in front of the TV doing it. As soon as I tasted that, everything came back to me. I can remember how old I was, what my dad looked like, what was on the you know, who was playing. It brought almost everything back to me. Mm. And, and, and actually, there was an incredible um, sense of place that I got from it. You know, I, I kind of reconnected to a part of my life I'd pretty much forgotten. And it's, it's fascinating because smells often are very good at anchoring memories. But, mm. uh, but food, I, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but even better than the smell because it's full sensory experience, isn't it? Yeah. I was no. saying, when Chris was saying crumpets, the first thing that came into my head was Juliet Bravo. <laughs> there we go. Watching Juliet Bravo while eating buttery crumpets. You can't be a there we are. Crumpet. I wasn't expecting that memory to come and slap me in the face at uh, on a Monday morning. November. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll talk about mine. So, um, you know, my a big, big nostalgic dish for us in autumn is my mum's apple uh, crumble, and obviously we we've been picking blackberries every weekend. Uh, there's very few left on the hedge now, but uh, there were plenty there when we were doing this experiment, and so. It was me, my mum, and my kids uh, having picked apples out of the orchard and blackberries off the hedges, 
with me and my mum making crumble together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, magic. So through the generations, the kids loved oh. it. It tasted delicious. And it was off the hedge and straight onto, onto the plate. It was, um, yeah, it was magical, actually. Oh, you know, completely. it was a to pass, to pass on, actually, to learn how I make mum's, mum's crumble as well. Yeah. Well, what's so good about that, Jim, is you're sort of hitting both things there because food, it, as Chris was saying, it has this power to connect you to a time and place. Um, like all our senses, they can really pull us in, in different directions. Um, but what you've done is, is not only remembered uh, something, it's, it's taken you back to a time in your life, but you've also created a memory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the power of, of food, really. It can, it can take us places, but it can also fix us, like, like anchor us, as, as Chris used that word, to, to a time, to a place. And, and the people that were involved in that little moment, your children specifically, you know, they will go on and in years ahead, they'll remember it yeah, yeah. through the taste through the recipe um, and perhaps carry on that whole cycle with uh, with their loved ones. And, you know, that can go on and on. I once had a recipe and I, well, it's in one of the books actually that my mum used to make. Um, and it was such a hit. It was a sort of fried chicken and, and spaghetti. It's, it's just, it just sounds unusual, but it, it was a real hit with the family. But now I make it, my brother makes it, our, my kids make it. And I guess this thing will roll on, you know, it'll roll through time um, and uh, become a memory for, for lots of people. Yeah, great. Fried, fried chicken and spaghetti, I like that. Oh, mate, yeah. Breaded chicken, so flour, egg and bread, the, the breasts of the bird, um, fried in butter, and then a very simple tomato sauce, garlic, uh, tomatoes, pinch of sugar, salt, black pepper, simmer it down, you know, lots of olive oil. Uh, and then, yes, yeah, spaghetti and loads of Parmesan when you serve the spaghetti alongside the chicken. It's I'm in, I'm in. Wow. You've got to make it. You've got to make it. Like <laughs> mega comfort food. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> well, so, so um, I mean, you know, all four of these uh, challenges, I, I think, were fantastic at, um, at actually piquing my interest a bit more as to the food that I eat, where it comes from, how it's prepared, who I share it with, the memories I am creating. Um, and therefore, you know, I think we've got a massive tick for this last four weeks um, mm. because because each one of them delivered. And actually, each one of them, um, actually, although on paper, you know, they might look like there's a bit of a challenge in them, they, they were relatively easy to do. They're all very much within our grasp. As long as we take that time to step off and just reconnect and just, you know, give it the focus that it needs. Um, any particular highlights from you, Jim, um, and, and what you took out from it? Uh, well, I mean, all the things I've shared would be highlights, I, I guess. I, I guess if I had to pick one, it would be the, the habit that I've now got into about um, using my fireball, which was part of present, but actually I don't think I'd have used it half as much without the, uh, the incentive of doing this energy experiment it's become a ritual in our lives now which is fantastic we look forward to it we take a glass of champagne up and it, we, the kids get outside we look at the night sky so i would say that was get, getting me and my kids out after dark would be the the 
the biggest win I'd say yeah. from uh, from this experiment. Yeah. Um, what what I would like to do is uh, as like, moving on to sort of the next thing is I'd love to get a bit more into foraging, but I don't, you know, blackberries is a pretty, and apples are pretty obvious things to forage. <laughs> and after that, I'm starting to move out of my skill set. So um, I don't know if you can point it in the right direction so I can become a bit more of a, an educated forager. Um, well, I mean, there's, a, there's nothing like just spending a bit more time doing it, but there's also lots of very useful guidebooks that you can take out into the field with you and, and uh, they will help you pick pick wild food with a bit more confidence. Yeah. Um, and you can reference the the, the, the great uh, images in these books. I mean, John Wright is a is a particular uh, expert in in his field. Um, the forager extraordinaire. Definitely pick up some of his field guides to foraging because they they are they're very very useful um, if you want to pursue pursue that um indeed yeah yeah, yeah. But, but for me it, the, the big one is it's just it's about getting outside it's about doing stuff with other people and as you say creating memories and you know that that impacts me if you think about our energies there's an obvious physical energy benefit that you get from going outside getting fresh air doing some exercise as well as then what you put in your stomach but for me the stuff that was much more profound was around the emotional energy that was created through doing this with uh, with my nearest and dearest. And then the, the sort of the spiritual connectivity that that, it, it, that bonds you through doing experiences like that. So um, a very different energy experiment uh, and, you know, one that I will uh, I'll recall more readily because of the different impacts it's had on had on my energy and actually my family energy. So I'll thank you for that, Gil. Oh, well, that's great that uh, it's been a success in that sense. You know, it's great that you've enjoyed the challenges and uh, yeah, I, I was thrilled to be asked. So thanks, Jim. Well, well no, we, we've loved it. And actually, I, I have a funny feeling that you have more challenges up your sleeve. So we might come back to another day, Gil. Um, or under your woolly hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might have to revisit this. Because I know there's lots of things that you do to get your energy right. And um, and we could all learn a little bit from that. But uh, we loved it. I am definitely going to be cooking up some breaded chicken and uh, and spaghetti. That That is going to happen quite soon. Um, anyone listening, if anyone's more interested in, uh, in, in getting into Gil's world, his books are a thing of beauty. I heartily recommend them. It's very, very difficult not to open a page and just get cooking. So, um, so check those out. And, and Gil, look, thank you so much. We've really enjoyed it. It's, it's nice to do something a lot less functional and, and a lot more about feeding the soul. And you absolutely hit the nail on the head. So really appreciate it, mate. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much.